Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, we, uh, we pray to you because we genuinely have no hope apart from any that we can accomplish today. That is done. If our work is done in the flesh, if it's done apart from your grace and your mercy, your knowledge and your will. cry out to you, Lord, this morning. So much to be thankful for. Thank you, Father, for saving us, condemnation. Thank you that you have uh, transformed our hearts toward you. Thank you, Father, that you are recognized, Father, in our flesh, that our our thoughts and our ways are recognized, Father, that you are and that you love us beyond measure. Pray that uh, as we learn, Lord, what we know and our understanding, you would so work in our minds and change us that we might be more like Christ. Pray that as a result that we're able, by your grace, to take every thought captive. Ask for enabling even now. Okay, so, um, thoughts. Yeah, we're going to turn the air conditioning on. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> right now it is. So, so we, we have considered uh, the attributes of God dealing with his greatness. So we talked about the, uh, the sufficiency of God, talked about the power of God, and talked today about really um, the knowledge and the wisdom, omniscience, um, as all it is all knowingness. And this is, uh, kind of put this on either side as greatness, as goodness. This is, uh, sort of a transitory uh, from my perspective. Um, but the, the next four weeks, uh, we'll talk first of all today about the wisdom, then love, the God of love, the God of mercy, and then we'll finish up with uh, the God of faithfulness. Now, you can't trust someone that you don't know very well, can you? Um, so you need to know someone. I, I talked with Mark Briefly, uh, this morning, as you know, kind of we were talking individually, um, these doctrines that we're learning, uh, the doctrine of, of, of God's sufficiency, of his power, of omnipotence, of his omniscience, these are, um, these are incredibly important doctrines. Um, I know it's often said about doctrine, if you will, uh, theology, the study of God, um, the other ologies that you've heard a lot about, Christology, the study of Christ, that these can be kind of dry. Uh, and and I, I agree. They, they certainly, if they're taught that way, can be kind of dry um, uh, from a human standpoint. What I would say, and I expressed this to Mark as I was studying this week uh, or in preparation for this, is those fundamental doctrines... Are, are just so crucial to our to the breadth and the depth of our our life that we live in Christ. And what I mean by that is, when you when you run in, you and I run into trials and tribulations. Um, I, I speak uh, from experience here, having um, I don't want to say raised as in I'm not raising my kids anymore, but having raised at least through 19 years. Four kids, two of which are married and uh, who are at home, but in college. Um, generation, that generation, oftentimes looks for um, the very practical answers. They look for specific answers. If this is happening, uh, oftentimes there's a question, why? And if why isn't answered, it's okay. What do I do? What does the Bible say that I do? 
And, uh, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that specifically, to sort of ransack the scriptures to get answers situations. But I would say that fundamentally, if we're looking for our souls to have peace, to have this stillness in them, to have this quietness in them, those doctrines are absolutely crucial to that stillness. They, they are. When you think about the majesty of God, when you think about the infinite deity God, when you think about His knowing everything, when you think about the all-wise God, this is a God who knows everything. He's never had to learn anything, and, and, and He knows everything that will happen in the future, and He knows, he knows every means to an end that is perfect. He is all-wise. When we run into these, uh, this, this mire that we get stuck in either because it's a bad decision or it has nothing to do with our decision, it comes from without, and, and it is uh, taking us down for one reason or another, a trial, those doctrines are absolutely foundational for us. That's the rock. That's the stability that we have when we don't have a specific answer, we talked a lot about Job, and we'll talk about Job a little bit later on. Uh, but, but those are just so crucial. So when we talk about stilling our hearts for intimacy with God, which is this module that we're in right now, we talked about, you know, what does this mean to have a, a quiet heart? And then what happens, what, what, what gets us down, down that the track? Well, unbelief. When we have, don't believe the truth, um, we, we, we make room for this unstillness, for this unsettledness in our soul. And that exists through a number of different things, depending on you know, where your weaknesses are in general or where they might be during that point in time in your life. It could be you know, greed. It could be worry, anxiety. There's a number of those, uh, those areas. And then, and then you have a, a further de- degradation uh, because our sinful nature wants to do what? It wants to replace the truth with what? Why? Okay, that's, that's our sinful nature. That's, that's what our sinful nature wants to do. And, and after the unbelief, you have that noise in your heart. Beyond the noise in your heart, you have um, that, that um, yeah, that's right. You, you lack your content. And ultimately, you have despair and hopelessness. That, that's how the way down tracks. Um, and of course, we said that our thought life our thought life is, 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 that, is that rope that leads you down, if you will. Uh, it's, it's what you think that leads you. Of course, getting, our getting back up and getting back out, as far as disciplines are concerned, are the same thing. You fill your mind with the truth, with the Word of God. So you, you, replace, you replace those lies and that unbelief. That's how we're getting our way back out. And, of course, um, moving forward, we're looking at the attributes here of God which really are fundamental. So um, doctrine is, is just so important. So we can't really trust someone that we don't know very well, nor can um, we keep our mind on uh, someone that, that, that we don't know much about. How can we keep our mind on God if we don't know much about God? So uh, this is just absolutely crucial and fundamental, really, to our understanding of, of making sure that our soul uh, is still... God does tell us to be still and to know Him, that there is a command. And, of course, we can't be wise 
uh, if we don't know anything. So the knowledge and the wisdom are inextricably connected. So how much does God really know? Uh, and we read in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathom, unfathomable. Unfathom, thank you. Unfathomable his ways. I don't say that word very often. That's, that's not an easy word to say. Okay. Well, Sally, since you can say that word, maybe you can expound that for us. <laughs> that, that's a great response. Why, why is that a great response? First of all, because it's true. Okay. But outside of it being true, what, what do you recognize about Sally's response? Yes. His greatness, his, his infinite, right? Because we're finite. We're human beings that have finite minds, and her response was simply, I can't get there. I can't get there. It's just, it's too big. It's too awesome for me. Um, and, and there's a word that I wish wasn't misused so much today. But, um, but it is just, it is so, not unfathomable. It's the word awesome, by the way. Um, so that was an awesome cup of coffee. I guess this. Sorry. <laughs> an unfathomable cup of coffee, right? That is good, right? There you go. Mick, you, you're going to get something trending for us, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. I don't know what, what kind of coffee we use, but maybe that's what we'll call it. Yes. That's very good. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's so good. In Psalm 147.5, Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. He is, uh, our, these are truths that we, can, that we can only ponder. And, and, by faith, trust. Can't fully grasp what the infinite... And uh, we, we will, in glory one day... Um, see much more of that, and we will in glory one day um, be a greater partaker of His divine nature. Think about it, though. Will, will we ever exhaust our knowledge of God? Will we ever know everything there is to know? I'm, I'm asking a simple question, but why? Yes, okay, very good. That's a very good theological response. Right, well, then He would cease to be God. He would cease to be God. We, 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 we can't know everything about God because he's, he's infinite. And if you begin to ponder that, and these are, these are things that you know, I, I sit here and, and, and share and you know, but, but they're there for us to, to, to just ponder for a while. If you sit in silence and begin to read passages of Scripture, just begin to try to get some... Uh, some understanding of it, you, you, you'll begin to do circles in your mind. You, you, you just can't. It's too big. But it, it brings great joy and peace in your heart to know that, that this God who is infinite, who knows everything, um, chose you before the foundation of the earth. You're chosen in the Beloved. And He knows everything about you. In fact... If you apply God's infiniteness, His infinite knowledge, His infinite wisdom, who you are and, and how He knows you, He knows you infinitely. Remarkable, remarkable thing.
um, theologians summarize, and I just picked out a few. Uh, uh, Arthur Pink says, God not only knows whatsoever has happened in the past in every part of his vast domain, and he is not only thoroughly acquainted with everything that is now transpiring throughout the entire universe, but he is also perfectly cognizant of every event from the least to the greatest that will happen in the ages to come. God's knowledge of the future is as complete as his knowledge of past and present and that because the future depends entirely upon himself. Were it in any wise possible for something to occur apart from either the direct agency or permission of God, then that something would be independent of him and he at once uh, he would at once cease to be supreme. Marlene so much said that. J.I. Packer said, Wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it is, in fact, the practical side of moral goodness. As such, it is found in its fullness only in God. He alone is naturally and entirely and invariably wise. And then A.W. Tozer said in the Holy Scriptures, Wisdom, when used of God, always carries a strong moral connotation. It is conceived as being perfectly pure, loving, and good. Wisdom, among other things, is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning, so there can be no need, guess, or conjecture. Wisdom sees everything in focus, each in proper relation to all, and is thus able to work toward predestined goals with flawless precision. God doesn't run out of... He doesn't run out of anything. He doesn't run out of love for us. He doesn't run out of forgiveness. He doesn't mercy. He doesn't run out of his righteousness, of his justice, and of course he doesn't run out of knowledge or wisdom. So, God's knowledge is infinite. I used that word earlier, omniscient. Read in Psalm 139, 1-6, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Know when I sit down and when I rise up understand my thought from afar scrutinize my path and my lying down you are intimately all my ways even before there is a word on my tongue behold O Lord you know it all you have enclosed me behind and before and lay your hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is too high I cannot attain it cannot attain it of course the psalmist um, recognizes this infinite knowledge that God has. And uh, I, I don't say this to um, embarrass anyone here in particular. In our community Thursday night, um, we're talking about the canon of Scripture. And part of that canon of Scripture, you know, we talked about the canon being whole and uh, closed, okay? This is God's revelation us. Comment made, talked about, um, but this isn't it. Because... Um, Glory, we're going to live with him for forever, for all eternity. Know him more and more. Never exhaust that. And our, and I say this uh, because he, he was just he made a comment about that, and and he was and he probably didn't even realize this, but he was just looking up at nobody, just kind of looking up and just smiling in this in this wonder as he as he said that, and that's. Uh, that's what this is. It's just a wonder that, that God knows us this way. It's, um, it's remarkable. And it, and it ought to 
really still our souls in a remarkable way. And by the way, feel free to make comments. Uh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, Dietmar, I'll get even. And it was a nice smile, though, Dietmar. Yeah, it's a very nice smile. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 22, we read, It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Cross-reference there, a great cross-reference there is 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. As a, as a God has given to us, He's instilled in us this beauty, this ability to have divine ability have the mind of Christ. That, that is, too, a remarkable thing. 11.5, Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and he said to me, Say thus, says the Lord, So you think, house of Israel, for I know your thoughts. God knows every one of our thoughts. Every thought that is good, he knows every thought that is bad. He knows every read before. He, he knows the thought before. before. So, God's knowledge is infinite, um, and because of that, there are certain implications. Um, one is that God's wisdom is intuitive. That mean it's in, it's intuitive. That God does not learn anything. Learn anything. Not one shred anything. He doesn't learn. Never had a new thought. Never had any new thought. How many new thoughts do we have every day? God's wisdom is intuitive, meaning that God does not learn anything. And then secondly. God is, uh, God's wisdom is intuitive uh, because God does not deliberate about anything. Right? He's not like uh, it's not like a uh, you know a judge and jury that we have today to deliberate the facts and all these other kinds of things. He doesn't deliberate anything, nothing. He he knows everything, everything. It was all the facts. It's what needs to happen. I was brought up to declare is a miracle, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bible was not, God did not give us the Bible as a step-by-step instruction manual. Take care of every situation, um, uh, you know, by, by, in a certain way. So, Bible was written, God revealed himself, okay, is and what he's like, scripture. And, and of course, the, the culmination, the pinnacle, the epitome of that revelation, our nation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we have all of that put embodied in the canon of Scripture. So it's by what He's given to us and faith in it, okay, that we exercise and have that stillness and that quietness. So it um, doesn't answer the why, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. That is not the priority, the answer lies. Oftentimes we have this unstillness in our souls because we're constantly trying to figure out why when we should be um, resting in the who, God. So uh, that's just a struggle um, uh, to have um, out of heaven have flesh. We have our um, unbridled nature uh, in us that will not go away until... That's, that's a good point, Sally. I'll get to you in just a second. Dave is going to pick up... Um, Talk about the disciplines, okay? Forward. What are those disciplines, okay, that that we should be exercising to help that out? 
kind of memorizer project couple three months that that psalm that psalm psalm 40 wonderful psalms be so grounded it's it's beautiful fantastic psalm to memorize um so thank you um god's wisdom is intuitive he doesn't learn anything he does not deliberate about anything god's wisdom is infallible what what does infallible mean good yeah always 100 percent he's never wrong about any decisions that he makes he never needs any more information. He has it all. So for us as believers, um, wisdom begins with a desire for wisdom. I know that's circular reasoning. Wisdom begins with a desire for wisdom. And I'm not talking about worldly wisdom. I say worldly wisdom, I'm talking about you know, somebody who's lived 70 years and you know, they, they know, they've experienced life and they know, you know kind of the, the things, uh, the mishaps in life and those kinds of things. Anybody can get that. Talking about that kind of worldly, talking about, I'm talking about divine wisdom. Our installation, okay? Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40. I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them, do them good. I and I will put the fear of me in their hearts, so that they will not turn away from me. God has to put, got to give the Holy Spirit. What's that fear? So, um, so that is our installation. At that point of justification, our salvation, the Holy Spirit enters us. God has given us now the ability to be a divine partaker. Part of that is understanding this position to fear God. Sometimes we, again, I was talking about us here, sometimes uh, that, that whole idea of fearing God um, in Christendom likes to be dull. Well, we don't really mean to be afraid, but listen, if God knows all your thoughts, right? He knows all the good ones, right? Does he know the really bad ones? Yeah. Ought we, ought we fear God for that? Yes, we should. So there is this, this awe and reverential okay, that we need to have for God, and he gives that to us uh, in the Holy Spirit there. So our disposition in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So fearing God, having a reverence for God, having an awe for God, is the very beginning. That's the very beginning of wisdom. So uh, that is instilled in us. That ought to be our. That is our. That ought to be our disposition. And um, and then of course our response to this this wisdom of God. Psalm one thirty nine six. Such knowledge as we read is too wonderful me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. So our response is is wonder. It's awe and wonder that we ought to have. Think about this. Sally brought this up and, and a couple others maybe brought this up too in terms of just, just taking a look at God's creation. God's creation is vast, right? But but it's not infinite. But it's it's just a taste of his power and it's just a taste of it. So we have that, uh, number one, God's knowledge is infinite, and then um, God's knowledge and wisdom is, is incomprehensible. doesn't mean you can't comprehend it, period. That just means it's, um, we, we can't exhaust it. It's inexhaustible. And so um, the first point here is the answer to why 
is, is not the priority. The answer to why, question of why, is, is not priority. I have, uh, I brought with me, how many of you have this book? I think, I don't know when this was produced, for some reason, I think I got this book when I was here. At the village. We did it. Yeah. <coughs> Isn't that exciting? Wow. I got this. 1988. Um, uh, I think we started attending here in either. Yeah. So this is personal here. This is personal. This, is, this book goes back. Anyway, this is a fantastic book. Most of you either have this book or have read it. But um, I just want to read a couple of excerpts from this relative to this idea of the answer of why is really not the priority. He says, usually when we're being trained by someone in a skill such as athletics or music or teacher or coach will explain to us the purpose of a particular drill he's using to put us through. Uh, Though these drills may at times be tedious and even painful, we can endure them because we know their purpose and the intended result. But God never explains to us what he's doing or why. There is no indication that God ever explained to Job the reasons for all of his terrible sufferings fact is, God has not really told us, even in Scripture, why he allowed Satan to afflict Job as he did. The story does not conclude with a conversation between God and Satan in which God claims victory over Satan. Rather, the story concludes with a conversation between God and Job in which Job acknowledges that through his trials, he has come into a new, deeper relationship with God. And what's interesting, if you read through Job... um, uh, there are, uh, I don't know how many, I, I shouldn't say I don't know how many whys. There are about 14, 15, or 16 whys. Job asks the question, why, 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 right? And, and, and you know, how does, God, how does God answer them? So go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah, he, 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 uh, he talked about his creation, right? You know, uh, talked about... Um, Stars, have you ever in your life commanded the morning? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard enough to listen to that alarm to get me up in the morning, let alone command the morning, right? Uh, and cause the dawn to take its place. Talked about the um, the stars and Orion. You know, can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that an abundance of water covers the earth? Talks about. The mountain goat, the lion, the deer, the donkey, uh, the wild ox, um, horses, I mean, eagles. He talks about all these things, behemoth, leviathan. Job's ultimate response in the end was was what? I I I repent. That's just his creation and his power in creation. Just imagine, just, just imagine when we get to glory. I mean, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be incredible. So, um, the answer to why is not the priority. Um, answer to who is the priority? That is our priority. Psalm forty-six, ten a. Obviously, be still and know. Everybody remembers that, that that was the time during Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, whole land, his mind, and not so. Got Israel, and he's looking to get Judah, and um, God saved that land, saved Judah, and for a time, and not a sword was sword was used. Be still and and know that I am God. This is this is our God. Job thirteen fifteen. Though he slay me, yet will. C. H. Spurgeon said this, um, 
sermon on divine providence. He said, Providence is wonderfully intricate. I just want you to listen to this. I, I, res- I, I respect this man's preaching and teaching so, so much. He's such an orator, um, so he, he doesn't uh, use a lot of words, but, but altogether they're, they're wonderful, powerful. Providence is wonderfully intricate. You want always to see through providence, do you not? You never will, I assure you. You have not eyes good enough. You want to see what good that affliction was to you, you must believe it. You want to see how it can bring good to your soul, enabled in a little time, but you cannot see it now. Honor God by trusting Him. So, in conclusion... Um, yeah, we can simply say that our soul can rest because God's wisdom. Anybody have anything else they want to share? It's like we learned that can automatically get saved and you're content. Godliness with contentment. Yes, that's very good. Yeah, and all these, you know, kind of address what Mark was asking and Mark, that sort of talks about, you know, how do you do this? You are simply, you know, have that firmer trust, that firmer faith in his sufficiency and his power. So uh, more clarity and, and more preciousness about his perfections that well up in your mind and happen. And those are the, you know, what does it look like? You know, how does sort of the measure, if you say, man, you know. Connie, can I ask you to close this in prayer, please? Yes, I'm